Thank you, Natalie. I just wanted some getting ready music to get my notes situated. <laughs> Are any of you jazz fans? Like the genre of, like true jazz fans, like that's your main genre that you listen to? Because I'm a jazz fan, and my first introduction to jazz was Charlie Brown Christmas. That's exactly right, yeah. And ever since then, I, I do really enjoy jazz. Sometimes I'll put that as background music as I work or, or prepare the message. And I was thinking how unique jazz is. There's a lot of different uh, forms of music or, or interpretations of what jazz is, but there's a center to the idea of jazz, and it's called improvisation right, to improvise, right? So the, the jazz musician oftentimes doesn't have a score of music and seeking to follow the notes, but, but she or he is really feeling and flowing in the midst. And it's been said that oftentimes a good jazz musician never plays the same song the same way twice. Now, um, contrast that with classical music, which I also happen to like and listen to. When you listen to, say, an orchestra, what is the classical musician's goal? To follow that score of music, the, the notes on that score with accuracy and passion, right? So they're, they're focused on their... So two different ways of looking and presenting music, and oftentimes you can feel that different emphasis, precision versus flow. Now, why do I bring this up? Because this morning, we are going to look at one of the neatest passages of Scripture. In all of Scripture, Acts 2, if you've brought your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And this is a phenomenal passage of Scripture where the Holy Spirit comes with power and lights the flame, as we sang, of the church, begins the actual church itself, the movement of the kingdom of God. And unfortunately, there has this passage of Scripture has also been the source of much debate and discussion and disagreement among God's people. And oftentimes there's arguments back and forth, even today. It's, it's existed throughout the, the history of the church, but true even today. And I want to encourage us to approach this passage in a jazz kind of way. That I believe the Holy Spirit, if you were to classi classify him, he would be more of a jazz musician. That he improvises. He doesn't follow uh, legalistic laws, 
but he follows principles, which we're going to talk about those principles. Those principles are important to see and recognize, but then there is, I would argue, uh, uh, along all of the book of Acts and through the the whole of Scripture, there's an improvisation based on the person and the context in which the Holy Spirit is working in the person. If you think of Samson and Saul, From the Old Testament, the Spirit of God worked in vastly different ways in those two people. If you think of the book of Acts, Peter and Stephen and Paul, the Holy Spirit working, following principles, but based on their circumstance, improvising. I have a deep conviction that the Spirit of God, based on the principles of how he works and who he is, wants to work in similar ways in us as he did the early church. But I want to make sure I give him the freedom to improvise, to, to nuance, to shape his work in our particular lives, I believe that he is mindful of who you are, what your struggles are, what your passions are, how he's knit you together, and he wants to work in that fresh and new way even today. Okay? Now, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to just read the first part of the chapter, we're going to start at verse 1. Again, last week was Acts 1, and Jesus was reiterating these building blocks, these foundation uh, of the kingdom of God, of the work of the Spirit, and of the mission. And we see right away, very next chapter, the church building on those building blocks. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, the upper room. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, now imagine, put yourself in that circumstance in this room. Maybe it's a large room. Maybe even 120 of the apostles, disciples, Men and women are there and they're praying and all of a sudden maybe the, the shutters, if they had one, blow open and whoo, this, this wind, this strong wind fills the room. The whole house where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. Imagine it. In your mind's eye. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the house was filled with wind. All men and women were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, actually other languages, known languages, human languages, as the Spirit enabled them. It would have been quite a a sight and sound to see. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Interesting, the Holy Spirit matches 
All these people from around because they're there for the festival of Pentecost. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygelia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We get the idea. They were from all over the place, right? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Great question. What does this mean? What's this mean for you and me? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Amazing. Peter, betraying Christ, scared of the religious leaders, now emboldened, stands up, and preaches the gospel for the very first time after the resurrection of Christ. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain uh, this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Shall we listen carefully? These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I know these guys. They don't drink till way later in the afternoon. I'm just filling that in. I think that's a hilarious comment that he says. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, he's quoting to the Old Testament. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood uh, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to pause right there. Peter will go on. He quotes um, the Old Testament two more times. What he's doing is he's explaining what they're seeing and experiencing. They're seeing the baptism and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised, that told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And then he's explaining, he goes on to explain the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's giving testimony and demonstrating it from the Old Testament. Powerful, reread it. Um, the rest of the chapter, we will talk about the message of the gospel, but this morning I'd like us to focus in on what he quotes in Joel, what um, Jedediah led us in the reading, the part of the book of Joel. And Joel begins at verse 17, and he says, someday there will be a day, it's called the last days, that God will pour out his spirit. So since we're seeing the fulfillment of this part of Joel, it means that you and I are living in the last days right now. 
You understand that? In the last days, the Spirit of God will be poured out. It was poured out, so we are in the last days. The last days has begun. And it says what the Spirit of God will do. Now, I have a, a somewhat of a, a trick question for you. Did we see sons and daughters prophesying in the Old Testament? Yeah, okay. Did in the Old Testament, did people have visions and dreams? Yeah. Well, if they were doing that before Pentecost, what's the big deal? But the Spirit was leading them in there. So the Spirit was directing the prophecy and the vision and dreams, so what's the big deal? Ah, yes, free cup of coffee for you. Yes, verse 17 right there, it says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, right? You had the leaders of Israel that the Spirit was being poured out on, the judges, the prophets, and the kings. In this moment, men and women don't miss how revolutionary this was in the life of God's people. This is why we use the phrase again and again that everybody gets to play, that this promise isn't just for some people, it's for you no matter who you are. Male or female, young or poor, black or white, it doesn't matter. The Spirit of God is for you. The pouring of the Spirit is for you. This Pentecost, he's wanting you to experience a personal Pentecost. The pouring of the Spirit. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. Now, look at verse 19. He continues the quote and what he's doing there is he's casting a little bit of kingdom vision. He's saying the last days have begun with the pouring out of the Spirit on all people, but there is a day when the king who initiated the kingdom will return a second time. And that's the second coming. And so there's a consummation of the kingdom of God it happens. That's the, the end of the quote of Joel. Okay, now, what I'd like is to ask two questions in preparation for us to pray for more of the Spirit, for the filling of the Spirit. First question is this, what does it mean to be filled? Can we talk about this just a little bit? What does it mean to be filled? That word is a very common word in the New Testament, people and things can be filled. There's a number of instances. For example, Matthew 27, 48. It's Jesus is on the cross, and, and uh, there's a crowd around him, and we're told that immediately, go to that Matthew 27, 48, immediately one of them who's present around the cross ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. In that circumstance, a sponge was filled with wine vinegar. Yes? 
Another instance, after uh, the resurrection, we're told, this is Matthew 28, 8, if we can go to that. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with what? Filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. We as people can also be filled with not such good things. This is in the book of Acts when there's uh, some controversy. It says, then, this is Acts 5.17, then the high priest and all his associates were members of the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy, right? Now, there's an analogy that I was thinking about which is a sponge. Yeah? I mean, we just read how a sponge could be filled. This is my sponge from my car. When I wash my car, this is the one I use. All right? So it's slightly damp right now, okay? This is you. You're looking a little spongy this morning. And there's a dampness to you. <laughs> you've, if you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit of God. Yes? You can't be a Christian if you don't have the Spirit. When you gave your life to Christ, the Spirit entered in. And yet what happens in baptism or filling is the Spirit comes. See if I can do this without making a mess. No. And it's interesting, it says the Spirit was upon and filled the sponge. Does that make sense? Maybe the bucket is the church in this analogy. And you're the sponge, and the Spirit of God Actually, that's what it means to be baptized, right? Or I could also use it a different way. If this was full of sudsy water, baptize. I baptize the sponge, and then it's poured out. You with me? All right, now, hold on to that analogy. What are you filled with? What were the apostles the disciples filled with at Pentecost? Wine vinegar? Water? Jealousy? Two things I want you to think about. The person of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. The person of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. Think for in the idea of attributes. Who is, if you were to use some attributes of the Spirit of God, what are the attributes that you would think of right away? What's that? Kindness, Kindness. good. What else? Joy, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit, yes, yes, all of that. So the Spirit of God, who the Spirit is, For example, gentleness or kindness, when the Spirit fills you, you're filled with the person of the Spirit. 
You're filled with his kindness, with his goodness, his gentleness, his love. We also see an interesting thing in Scripture. For example, Paul, this is Acts 13, 51 and 52. It was Paul and Barnabas, they're being expelled, and yet they receive great joy. It says, so they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were, it's just another way to use it, filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You see that? They were filled with the person of the Spirit. Romans 5.5, 5, I believe Paul was talking about his experience of filling and, and the Romans' experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out. Just like the Spirit of God is poured out upon us, it's poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the Spirit at conversion, and when we're filled, we're filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes? You with me? All right, another analogy that you're going to hate but it's going to be really fun for me, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> With Kurt Humphreys and two of his sons, I went to a Bears-Broncos game last year. And it was a really fun game. The, it was the, a mixture of about 50% Bears fans and 50% Broncos fans, right? It was hard to tell, you know, because the Broncos have stolen the colors of the Bears, Right, But it, it felt about 50 and 50, but it wasn't contentious, right? Both teams were playing so poorly, we pretty much knew we didn't have a shot. Either team didn't have a shot at the playoffs, right? So we were just having fun. It wasn't contentious at all. The end of the game, it was horrible. No one could move the ball, but the Bears were winning at the end of the game, and then miraculously, the Broncos drive down against our defense and score and take the lead. We were lamenting, Bears fans. However, even more miraculously, the Broncos kick the ball, we get it, we drive down, our horrible offense drives down and kicks a field goal and wins the game. And the Bears fans were filled with euphoria. And the Broncos were, fans were filled with bitterness, yes, and jealousy, yes, yes. Now, it was kind of a cool moment, like all the Broncos fans were, were leaving in disgust. And the Bears fans were like, we knew there were not going to be many moments like this in the season. And we just kind of just sat in the euphoria, just singing. And, and yes, it was, now probably some were filled with alcohol, yes. Now, could have I handled that filling in that moment inappropriately? Yes, I could have gone to a Broncos fan and gone, ah, my wife's a committed Broncos fan, yes? 
That would have been inappropriate. People have done inappropriate things when they're filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the problem with Pentecost. That's part of the issue is people in the name of the Spirit do really unhealthy things, unbiblical things. You can do that. You can do that. Now, there's another aspect of filling that I want you to see. Not only are we filled with the person of the Spirit, but we're also filled with the power of the Spirit. Jesus told us Pentecost is about power and think of gifts. We can look back to the life of Christ. He's the perfect example of this. We're told in Luke 4, 36, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are, Jesus is preaching. Go to Luke 4, 36, Helen. And it says, um, with authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Jesus was teaching. Jesus was casting out demons. He was doing it in the power of the Spirit. Remember, he's anointed in the power of the Spirit. We're told in Acts 10, 38, when Peter is talking about the ministry of Jesus, how God anointed, which is another term for empowerment, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Right? Now, let's return to this sponge analogy. Right? Again, let's go to the analogy of washing the car. Have you ever tried to wash a car with an only mildly damp sponge? It's, it's very difficult. If you add sudsy water to it, if you're filled with the sudsy water, then let's say the car or the dirt on the car is the brokenness of the world. He wants to fill you with his, his person and his power so that as you work against the brokenness, the filth, the sin, he wants to use you he wants to fill you to restore and clean this world. Capish? Yes? Okay. Good. We're filled with the person and the power of God. Just a quick example from my own life, I believe that I was filled for the first time or baptized. That's the first time that you're filled with the Spirit. It's, the Bible calls it baptized in the Spirit. The first time I was at a missions conference, I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to do. It was also part of my call. And I was filled. We were taking communion. And it was this mission conference of like 17,000 student, students in a stadium at Urbana, Illinois, and I'm watching and I'm experiencing communion and I'm waiting because I'm in the nosebleed section, but they were bringing communion all the way up and I was filled and I began to weep. And I began to have a sense of compassion for this broken world. The interesting thing is now, not always, that oftentimes when I'm praying for someone, that same compassion 
the person of the Holy Spirit connects with the power of the Spirit and he uses me in that compassion. Sometimes I cry when I pray for people. He uses me in the power of the Spirit to pray healing and restoration and forgiveness. So oftentimes I experience the connection. I'm freshly filled, and then I live in power for the ministry. You with me? Makes sense? Are we understanding what it means to be filled with the Spirit? Okay. Now, let me ask this final question just in preparation for when we're going to pray. When and how often can I be filled? I think that the inspired author of Acts, Luke, Dr. Luke, wants to answer these questions as we see the book of Acts unfold. And the answer, according to Scripture, that you can be filled when at conversion or after conversion. We see it in both places. For example, the Roman centurion in Caesarea, while Peter was still speaking, this is Acts 10, 45. Helen, would you go there with me? While Peter was still speaking, he's speaking to the Roman centurion and his family in Caesarea. They're non-Christians, and it says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit, they're talking about the baptism and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, had been poured out even on Gentiles. They hear the message in their hearts. They gave their lives to Christ. And simultaneous conversion and baptism of the Spirit happens. Now some dear brothers and sisters, would argue that that's how it has to happen. That that's the only way that we experience baptism and the filling of the Spirit is at conversion. I believe that is a rule, not a principle. And it's, an in, it's a wrong rule because Scripture does not bear that out. That we need to let the Spirit work and improvise based on our lives. Jessica, when you gave your life to Christ, you might have been filled with and baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. You might be about to be baptized and filled with the Spirit for the first time. You with me? Last week, Pentecost, the apostles were baptized, right? What they experienced, and I asked you last week, were the, were the apostles, were they Christians before Acts 2? Were they Christians in Acts 1? Yes, they were. They experienced conversion and then were baptized. In fact, the testimony of Scripture is pretty significant. Acts 8, the Samaritans, it's almost as if Luke tells the story so we'd get the point. The apostles... Um, come there and they said, hey, hey, you're Christians, but where is the empowerment of the Spirit? They prayed for them. They're empowered by the Spirit. Acts 19, 
Paul comes across believers in Ephesus. And this is the question he asks. This is Acts 19, 2 and 3. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul said then, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. They needed to hear the message of Jesus and be baptized in water for conversion. And then Paul lays his hands on him and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're with me. There is this idea that we don't want to lock the Spirit and say, it has to be done this way. Because not only is it unbiblical theology, but then we go, oh man, that happened to Betsy, and that didn't happen to me that way. I must be second class. I must be a second class Christian. The Spirit doesn't want to drive those conclusions. We want to let the Spirit be the Spirit. We don't want to put him in a box. We want to let him improvise based on who he is and who we are. When are we baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? At conversion or after? Second, how often? Again and again. Peter was filled in Acts 2, right? We just read part of the story is Peter. It was with them in the upper room. He's filled. We read in Acts 4 as if Dr. Luke is intentionally using this language to teach us about baptism and filling. He uses that word, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought he was filled in Acts 2. Why is he being filled in Acts 4? Because he's filled again and again and again. Saul, we haven't read this yet. We haven't gotten there. Acts 9 is the story of his conversion. They use the word filled. Ananias lays his hands on him. Paul is filled with the Spirit. And, and then in Acts 13, it says, Then Saul, who was Paul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elamus and said, you are the child of devil and the enemy of everything that is right. So Paul, again, nuancing truth, soft-peddling truth. No, he's, he's empowered by the Spirit. Bam, he hits him. There's an empowerment. Peter filled, filled in Acts 2, filled to talk with the religious leaders in that debate. Paul, filled in Acts 9, and then in 13, filled to pronounce judgment on uh, someone who is steeped in sorcery. Okay, we see this again and again. Now, some teach that when you're filled with the Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. All right? That's more of a rule than a principle. And the problem is, is that we see people being filled, like Peter and, and Paul, whether the first time or successively, and they're not always speaking in tongues. See, this can lead to, to that idea of, of, of second-class citizen. Well, Jedediah spoke in tongues when he was filled, and I don't. I'm a second-class Christian. That's not the heart of Christ. Again, let 
the Holy Spirit be a jazz musician in your life. Let him improvise. He knows you. He loves you. He knows the context of your life. Why did he not give me the gift of tongues when I was initially baptized by him? I don't know. I asked for it. Why did he wait years and years later to give me that gift? Perhaps I was annoying in prayer and I kept asking for it. But again, he is improvising based on who he is. He knows you and knows your your doubts and your struggles and your concerns. And he wants to work in particular with who you are. Yes? So we get, now understand, you remember that question that they asked in Acts 2, they saw the start of the church, the empowerment of the Spirit, and they asked the question, what? What does this mean for us? Peter preaches the gospel, invites them to respond. They receive forgiveness of sins and are baptized with water and the Spirit. What does this mean for you and me? It means we get to ask for the same filling today again and again and again. In a similar way that we get to come to the table and say, Jesus, I want more of you, more of your life in my life. We get, we get to do that again and again and again. In the similar way, we get to come to Christ and say, I want to be filled with more of your love and your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your compassion. All of those things, Lord, fill me again, Holy Spirit. And we get to ask for your empowerment. I don't want to wash the lives of people. I don't want to advance your kingdom simply being a damp sponge. I, want, I don't want to try and clean a car with a dry sponge. I want to be filled afresh so that I can be used by you to extend the kingdom of God. Yes? Are you thirsty? Do you want to ask to be filled? I want to invite the worship team forward. And normally, I would invite you all to come forward and have leaders lay hands on you because this is such an odd time of COVID-19. I'm just going to ask you to stay in your seats, for you at home to stay in your seats. And, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to just begin and worship a little bit, and then I'm going to pray for us to be filled both in the sanctuary and at home, we're asking the Holy Spirit to improvise. But he's pretty good at that, so I trust that he'll do it. And I want you to be mindful. If you're thirsty, I want you to be mindful of two things. That he wants to fill you with his person 
and his power. His person and his power. Sometimes people are filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people are filled with the compassion of the Holy Spirit. That's fine. Let him be who he wants to be in your life. It doesn't matter. Tears of sadness or tears of joy, it's the Holy Spirit. He also wants to fill you with power. I've seen people be filled with the power to preach and teach. I've seen people be filled with the gift of tongues, the prayer language. I've seen people filled, and yet it's later in their lives that they begin to minister in the power of the Spirit. Can we not approach this with comparison and laws, but can we approach this just longing more of the person and the power of the Spirit? Can, he let, can we let him improvise with one another and not make all these judgments and categories and boxes and no? Can we let him love each of us based on who we are and the circumstance of our life today? Yes? Just worship for a moment, and again, then I'll pray for us in a bit. If you're comfortable, if you want more, just close your eyes and you just open your hands to receive. Again, we're not striving for a particular experience. We're just inviting uh, the Spirit of God to fill us with His person 
his attributes, and his power. So Holy Spirit, we just ask in humility and in love that you would fill each of us with your person and your power, Lord. Whatever you have for us, Lord, I pray for each person who wants more in this room, that you would touch them and fill them, that you would have your way, your joy, your your love, your compassion, your goodness. For people at home, those wanting more, would you fill them and touch them with your person, your deep mercy and grace, Lord God. I include the, the band members and our tech team, those who are serving, Lord. Lord, we also pray and ask humbly, in reverence, we ask for your power, Lord God, your, your gifts, Lord God. We, we know we need your power and your gifts if we are going to join you in your work of the kingdom, Lord God. So for each person here in the sanctuary, for each person at home, Lord, who wants more, Lord, we, we ask, Holy Spirit, you're, you're welcome here. Come, have your way. Fill us with your person. Fill us with your power anew.
to just let the worship team continue a little bit. After that, would you stand for the benediction? If you'd like to hang out and worship and just continue to drink and receive more of the Spirit, please do so. Continue watching the live stream. By the way, the Apostle Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. Perhaps he's referencing Pentecost, but as an alternative, do what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you can wash your car on your own. You can say, Holy Spirit, I, I prayed almost every morning. Would you fill me this day to live the life you want me to live? Would you go as children of God being filled again and again with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen. We'll see you next week.